Well, uh, if you can hear it in my voice, it's because I'm two for two so far in 2022. I had vacation days this week, and lo and behold, uh, I caught some kind of cold bug thing that was going on. It's not COVID. I tested twice. So I'm all good. But uh, yeah, so anyways, uh, that was lovely. It, it really sapped my energy for two or three days, and here I am. My energy is restored. My voice is not. It's okay. Uh, we're, we're just going to be jumping in here to, to the book of Ephesians, and, and my hope for us today is that we would be able to, to really kind of pray a prayer that we find right here in these opening verses. Uh, you can remember the kids' chat, because that's really what Paul's trying to do in Ephesians 1, 1 to 14. Um, but what we're going to do is kind of uh, pray a prayer periodically. I'm going to invite you to pray it with me. It goes like this, and we've got it on a slide. It says, let us give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Will you say that with me? Let us give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I'm gonna invite you to pray that with me several times through the course of the morning. So if you're one of those that's like, I don't wanna participate, just don't, right? Just, I'm gonna ask you and invite you to participate with me as we go along and, uh, and pray this prayer. Um, this is the Good News Translation. That's what GNT stands for, by the way. It's the Good News Translation. Uh, you know, there's like the Message Translation, ESV, NIV, uh, whatever, all the different translations. This is the Good News Translation of Ephesians 1, verse 3. Um, and really just the first part of Ephesians 1, verse 3. We don't normally use it, but it fits best today. Just to kind of put it into different translations for you, the ESV says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The ICB, International Children's Bible, says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, but I really like the, the Good News translation because it kind of shows what Paul is doing uh, throughout this opening section, he's just praising God. He's praising Jesus for who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Um, and he's also, uh, it, it also kind of shows us what he's inviting the people to do. Uh, he opens this letter to the churches in Ephesus by inviting the people to praise God, right? Have you ever had that happen where like uh, maybe you're having a so-so day and then you're around somebody that's like, really happy and they're praising and rejoicing and they're they're celebrating something and then it kind of like bleeds over into your spirit and into your heart and you start to celebrate and give thanks and praise for things as well that's kind of what's happening here in these opening verses paul is just you know this long elaborate uh praise to the god and father of our lord jesus christ and, and so what I thought we would do is uh, not try to be overly creative, but just do what Paul is doing in Ephesians 1, 1 to 14, and, and invite you, invite us, all of us together to give thanks. So let's say it again. Let us give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now what you need to know is that when you say that, when you pray that, uh, you are actually joining a chorus that is thousands and thousands of years old. Um, this praise blessing formula has been in the mouths of the saints throughout the Old Testament. Uh, it goes all the way back to this man named Noah. You know Noah from the flood and from the rainbow. After all of that, this is Genesis chapter 9, verse 6. If you're keeping score at home, maybe just make a note of that. It's the first time that we see this kind of praise, blessing, thanksgiving formula appear. Um, Noah says, blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. 
blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. That's the first time that we see this kind of blessing praise formula. And then throughout the Old Testament, over and over and over again, in the mouths of thousands or hundreds of saints, we see this kind of blessing, praise, thanksgiving formula. Uh, it, uh, it happens really, really often in the uh, book of Psalms. I was going to list for you all the different times it occurs, but guys, the list is really long and we only have so much time, right? So, so when you say this, you're joining a chorus um, that is thousands of years old. It has a long, elaborate, rich history among the people of God. But we should also see here that there's like a little bit of an update to the language. Because in the Old Testament, what you're going to see is um, uh, something like uh, praise the God of Israel. You're going to see um, thank, uh, thank, the God, uh, thank our God and Father, period. <laughs> right? But what we see here is this update from Paul because he's got the fresh scoop. He's got the inside scoop. He's got the updated information. In other words, he knows Jesus. And because Paul knows Jesus, he, he changes the praise, blessing, thanksgiving formula just ever so slightly, right, by saying that God is the Father of, not you and me, not of Israel, but of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we get this beautiful language that's, that's a bit updated. And so I just want to add a little bit of weight to this, right, that when we pray this, we're joining a chorus that is thousands of years old, <laughs> and it's been spoken by the saints for thousands of years. It's a beautiful hymn, a beautiful phrase, a beautiful prayer of thanksgiving. Let's say it again. Let us give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, more specifically, we can even begin to narrow the field and see what Paul is doing. Um, uh, let us give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ for his done and accomplished work. For his done and accomplished work. That's kind of the heartbeat of this whole opening section, uh, especially in, you know, 3 to 14. Uh, Paul talks a little bit about the motive of God. He talks a little bit about the effect that God's work has on us. But these opening verses are almost entirely uh, about and centered on and circling around the done and accomplished work of God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that in itself kind of pushes me to praise God. Uh, look, um, our work is so demanding, right? I don't care if you're 8 or 80 or even younger than 8 or older than 80. It doesn't matter, right? We have demanding work on us. Uh, for me, uh, right, I'm a pastor. I'm also a dad. I'm also a husband. I'm also a friend. I'm also a son, and gee golly, I keep score for my son's baseball team, right? I mean, there's a long list of, of jobs and responsibilities of work that we have. And, and we tend to take ourselves and our work seriously, right? We elevate the importance of our work. Uh, our work calls for our attention. It begs for our attention. And so it's, it's really nice here in the opening verses of Ephesians to to just kind of live in the freedom of work that's already been done and accomplished. It's really nice to, to focus on work, good work, really good work that has already been done that's way more important than my work. Uh, that's, that's way more serious than my work. It's, it's like so, so good to be refreshed and renewed by, by, by not what I have to do, but by what God has already done. 
And, and so again, right, we join the course that's thousands of years old, and, and we join the saints of old, and, and we rejoice that this is about the work of God. And we, and we say together, let's put up the next slide there, just so we all have the language. Oh, maybe go backwards a slide. There we go. Let's say it together. Let us give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to get to list out maybe five works here that have already been done and accomplished. And the first work is, is really just in verse 1. And the disclaimer to that is that um, that's not actually part of the praise blessing formula that Paul is speaking. Uh, that's just like me sort of imposing it on the section. Uh, verse 1 is, is really just an intro to the letter. It's a very common introduction. And uh, we see it over and over again in the letters that Paul writes to the churches. Uh, but, but when I see uh, verse 1 and I see this opening phrase, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, that's how he opens the whole letter. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, I just see like the amazing work of God lurking behind those words. Um, an apostle is one that is sent. Right? It's one that is sent. It's one that is commissioned. Uh, it's, uh, an apostle literally just means a sent one, right? Um, uh, an apostle is somebody that, that has a responsibility. They're invited to represent someone else. And so obviously in this case, right, an apostle is somebody who's representing Jesus, right? A, a, a representative of Jesus. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Just remember the story of this man named Paul. Paul started out when we first meet him. Uh, he's got a different name there, but when we first meet him, he has the wrong mission. He's going door to door. He's, he's finding disciples, people that are trying to follow Jesus and be changed by Jesus and be on mission with Jesus. And, and he's literally dragging them out of their homes and he's killing them. Or, or he's allowing them, he's aiding the killing of them. And one time as he's traveling on one of his missions, his wrong mission, Jesus breaks through. And, and, and Jesus reveals himself to this man named Paul. And, and he changes the heart of this man and he, and, and he changes his mission. He gives him a new mission. And, and so when I think about the story lurking behind this man named Paul and this word apostle, it kind of uh, uh, challenges me to consider, like, okay, what has Jesus invited me to do? Where is he sending me? And in kind of more of a, a hope-filled way, it's like, okay, if I've got the wrong mission for the day, <laughs> if I've got the wrong mission for the week or the wrong mission for the month, guess what? I've got a Jesus who's going to break through and reveal himself and change my mission so it's more pleasing to him. It's just this beautiful good news uh, kind of lurking behind the story of this man named Paul who is an apostle of Christ Jesus. So, uh, next slide, right? When we consider the sending work of God, that he sent Paul and that he continues to send others and he breaks through, man, we celebrate by saying, let us give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, I set that up on a tee for you. Just jump in, right? As soon as I say, let us, just jump in and pray this prayer with me. Uh, the second done and accomplished work of God in, in these opening verses is that he's given us every spiritual blessing in heaven. He's given us every spiritual blessing in heaven. This is in verse three. And my disclaimer here is that I don't totally know what that means. 
I've really wrestled with this language a lot. I've, I'm consulting a lot of commentaries and a lot of Bible studies as I'm uh, trying to prepare for this. And I don't fully grasp what this means. I think what it means is that uh, Paul's referencing like all the good things, all the good gifts, right? The blessings are, are the good things and the good gifts that he's about to praise God for. But uh, what I do know and what is crystal clear here is, is that Paul praises God for every spiritual blessing that is where? In heaven, and, and that for me is kind of convicting and challenging <laughs> because I don't know about you, but I tend to want earthly physical blessings right now. And Paul's redirecting my focus in a really gracious way. He's, he's redirecting my heart, right? So that, well, because earthly physical blessings tend to be very, what, temporary? Um, earthly physical blessings tend to leave me disappointed. Earthly physical blessings tend to leave me dissatisfied. And so Paul, just with this kind of, uh, this, this idea, this thought that God blesses us with every spiritual blessing in heaven, in the heavenly places, is like super cool because it just reframes my heart and mind. It refocuses my attention from down here onto something much bigger that I can't even fully comprehend or understand. The other thing about this verse that's really clear, and, and I just see this light, is the, is the generosity of God. Just see this, right? It says that he's given us every spiritual blessing, not some, not most, not many or a lot of spiritual blessings. Every spiritual blessing. Y'all, we have a very generous God, right? I mean, he is so generous. He gives us every spiritual blessing. He gives us all the spiritual blessings. And so as we see this kind of, this phrase, right, as we consider a God who generously gives every spiritual blessing. Next slide. Let us give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the third done and accomplished work of God is that he chose us. He chose us. Uh, so, so just see this, right? This is really powerful because, man, we, we, are, um, we are sometimes rejected. If we're being honest, right? We, we as disciples trying to follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and be on mission with Jesus, boy, we are rejected people at times. Uh, uh, especially today, right? We don't hold like a, a, a societal, cultural, privileged position anymore. Uh, the church is on the outside. It's on the fringe of society. People that are trying to actually follow and be changed by Jesus, we're on the outside of pop culture, right? Of, of societal well-being. And, and so, so very often, if we're actually trying to follow and be changed by, oh man, we end up on the outside of things. And so we are a rejected people, um, and, and at the same time, uh, on top of that, like sometimes we just feel rejected. A sad sob story from uh, Pastor Dave, who's also a dad, right? We're finishing up dinner on Friday night, and uh, Krista and I were going to have an at-home date kind of thing, and, uh, and, and the boys were plotting to play cornhole. And I'm like, okay, whose team am I on? And Zeke is like, no, actually, Dad, I just want the brothers to play out there. And I'm like... <laughs> Right? I felt rejected in my heart and in my spirit. And so just like sometimes we feel rejected. Sometimes people aren't paying attention to us or they're not paying attention to us as much as we think that they should. And so we feel rejected. And then other times on top of all that, like we fear rejection 
if I do this, they'll reject me. If I don't do this, they'll reject me, right? So we are, we feel, and we fear rejection. And so this, this word here from Paul is like such gospel good news. And it drives us to praise and give thanks. Um, the word choose, right, is, is a word that means to pick out, uh, to select. It means literally to say that one. So it's a compound word, and, and, and like part of it is to speak something, and then the other part of it is to choose something. So it's like somebody is saying, I want that one, right? It's like that's the kind of uh, language that's happening here. Uh, chosen, right? Chosen when? Oh, man, just like when we see this, right? Chosen before the foundation of the world is what Paul says. Like, that just adds to the incredibleness of the choosing. It adds to the incredibleness of the good news, right? You were chosen a very, very long time ago, before the foundation of the world. There's, like, so much freedom here, right? Because, because um, my being chosen isn't dependent on my talents. My being chosen is not dependent on my character. My being chosen is not dependent on my performance. <laughs> he chose us before we even existed, before the foundation of the world. See, he chooses because he chose to choose. Uh, quote that, right? He chooses because he chose to choose. It's just this beautiful thing. All right, my choices change over time, not the choice of God. Right? The choice of God is God's choice for all time. It's just this beautiful gospel good news. Right? In a world of rejection or feeling or fearing rejection, we've got a God who, what, chooses us before the foundation of the world. Man, it just drives us to praise, right? In Christ, he chose us before the world was made. He chose us to be his holy people, people without blame before him. So, so just kind of the choosing of God just keeps getting more and more amazing, right? He chose us so we could be holy and blameless before him. Uh, holy is to be set apart, distinct, different from everything else. He chose us to be holy, <laughs> to be set apart and different from evil or, or things that are not right in the world. He chose us to be blameless, right? To, to be without guilt, to be without regret, to be without shame every single day of your existence. He chose you to be holy and blameless before him. When we consider the choosing of God, next slide, let us give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You guys are doing great, right? Fourth done and accomplished work of God. Here comes the really controversial word. You ready? Predestination, right? Uh, here, here it comes. Verse five. Um, this is a theologically explosive term. So let me just kind of, uh, I'm not going to shy away from the word, but I also want to give a couple of cautions and then sort of downplay the word just a little bit, just so you know where I'm going to go. Um, we should just see this, right? The word only occurs six times in all of the New Testament. Two times right here in Ephesians chapter one. Six times in all the New Testament, only two times right here. And so we probably shouldn't like fight that much over this word. And we should probably see that Paul's not trying to build a biblical theology of predestination. And he's probably not trying to answer all of your questions that you might have about this. What you wanna do is you wanna keep in mind like who is Paul actually speaking to here? Paul is not speaking to, to non-believers, to people that don't know God. 
to people that don't know Jesus. He's not speaking to them. Um, he, he's also not speaking to non-believers. Uh, sorry, he's not speaking to believers about non-believers. See that? What he's doing is he's speaking to believers about God, <laughs> about God the Father Almighty, about God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we've just got to kind of keep that all in mind and in context and, and, and not try to make this say more than it says. Just let it say what it says. Take the kind of surface level reading of this and let it be the surface level reading. Uh, predestined simply means, uh, it's very similar to the choosing concept, right? It just means to decide beforehand, to determine beforehand. We might ask right away, before what? Before the foundation of the world. But right? if we're keeping it in context here, verse four and, uh, four and five, that, then what we see is that uh, he chose beforehand, he determined beforehand, he decided before the foundation of the world to what? to adopt you, to adopt you to himself. <laughs> See, this is gospel good news. He chooses to, to bring you into a close personal relationship with him. That's what adoption means. Adoption means that he chooses to make you part of his family, that he decided before the foundation of the world to, to give you legal rights to his name <laughs> and to his estate. Um, why did he determine before the foundation of the world to adopt you? Love. That's it. Right, right at the end of verse 4 or maybe at the beginning of verse 5, that's a little bit controversial. People are like, no, it goes with the choosing of God. He chose you in love. And then other uh, commentators like argue. It's so funny what these commentators argue about. Other commentators will argue and say, no, no, he predestined you in love. And the reality is that Paul, like, it, remember, there's no, like, periods and there's no semicolons and there's no verse numbers when Paul writes this. And so just see the beauty of this, right? Paul writes, um, he chooses you in love, he predestined you, is what he, so he just kind of keeps going, right? There's no period separating anything. So we've messed it all up. And the reality is that in love probably goes backwards to his choosing. It also probably moves forward to the predestining you for adoption. He predestines you to be adopted, to become one of his children in love. And how did he accomplish that adoption? Through the work of Jesus. And he doesn't get into detail, nitty-gritty detail of that. He just kind of says, through Jesus, right? Somehow, the work of Jesus accomplishes our adoption into the family of God. When we consider <laughs> predestination, when we consider the determination of God to make us his children out of his love, next slide. Oh man, let us give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, last one, fifth, done and accomplished work of God. A much uh, more friendly term, redemption. Redemption is the last one. Um, re redemption uh, has kind of two key concepts attached to it, um, although one is probably weightier for the churches in Ephesus. Uh, we have to remember that Paul is, is, is a Jewish man, right? He, he was raised in Jewish synagogues, taught the Hebrew scriptures. Um, he was a Pharisee, right? So he, was, he knows all this stuff really, really well. 
The first concept is Old Testament. Uh, just listen to this language. I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them and will, what, redeem them. That's what God promises the people of God. They are slaves in the land of Egypt. They've been slaves for about 400 years. Um, and, and God speaks this promise. He speaks these words of promise through a man named Moses. And he says, Mo Moses is going to bring you out, bring you out from being slaves. Uh, and God says, I will redeem you. How did God redeem you? Through his mighty, miraculous work through the power of his right arm, through uh, the miracles, the 10 plagues, the 10 miracles that set the people free from their slavery. So, so the first concept that's kind of attached here to this word redemption is Old Testament. The second concept is, is actually probably just Roman, which is how most of the hearers that Paul is speaking to would have, would have heard it, right? They would have thought first and foremost in this fashion about redemption because this is what they're most familiar with. Uh, redemption is the process of simply setting a slave free. So households at this time had slaves, not the hard oppressive slave uh, that we kind of saw in the land of Egypt, but uh, slaves, I, I hate to say it like this, but like slaves like, hey, here's your tea, right? They're bringing, they're, they're just household workers, household servants. And so um, uh, redemption is the process of setting a slave, a household slave, free. Um, buying a slave from someone for something that you want them to do. How were these slaves set free? <laughs> Money, of course. And, and so just notice a couple of things here in this uh, opening section, right? Jesus bought you. He ransomed you, as we would say, not with gold or silver, but with his own precious blood. He bought you through and with his blood. And he didn't buy you to make you a slave in his house. He didn't buy you because he had some kind of, you know, big uh, work that he was going to put on your shoulders. No, he bought you so that you would be free. Free from your trespasses. Uh, free from your offenses and your sin. He paid for your freedom so that you could become his son or his daughter. So that he could adopt you into his family and into his household. In him, Paul says, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. When we consider redemption, next slide, let us give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's my whole hope for you, is that you're able to just pray this prayer. And that you let the thanksgiving of this man named Paul just kind of bleed over into your own spirit, into your own heart. Because look, not every day is perfect. <laughs> not every moment of every day is perfect. And not every season is perfect. There's always troubles and there's always things that weigh us down or are heavy on our hearts. And so it's so incredibly refreshing and it's so good to come back to the good news of work that has already been done and accomplished for us. And it gives us something to, to praise God over. And this is so simple, right? You can, you can write it down, you can use it in any translation. Ephesians 1 verse 3, one more time. Let us give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Praise Him, praise Him. Praise Him in the morning, praise Him at the noontime. Praise Him, praise Him. Praise Him when the sun goes down. Got some quiet.